What's going on, everybody? It's your host, Rob Mars. This is to the Ribs and S Podcast, episode 49. So, I had to re-record because I had some technical difficulties with my mic. So, here we are recording again. Hopefully, this comes up, which it looks like it is right now. Sometimes, I'm going to have to check back just to double-check to see if, I'm, if anything's recording. Because it is a little... Mo- loose of a mic got this mic about a year ago which is a pretty good quality mic i don't have to do much editing with it which i feel like i should do more editing but like i said i don't have the equipment i need yet to do the editing i wanted to do i mean obviously the accent has definitely set some things back far as like my finances and stuff so i haven't been able to get the equipment that i planned on getting initially but once I get back on the road, hopefully it'll be some, sometime soon within the next few weeks. It was supposed to be the other week, but um, COVID has, you know, been issues with the part, getting the car parts in. And so it's been, it's been a long wait, but um, yeah, um, still doing this. But again, um, we're going to ha- kind of get into... What I was talking about, the Celtics, All-Star Weekend. We're definitely going to talk about high school, high school playoffs, which started in some states. Um, so we'll definitely get into that. It's definitely going to be a, a, a jam-packed show. A little bit of college basketball, which I mentioned early on, which you'll probably get little get more into it next week, where the conference tournaments are starting. Um, potential bubble teams, which I already pretty much put out on some of the, you know, the college basketball pages on my website, pretty much saying which teams are out, which teams are in, bubble teams, stuff like that. I wish I was able to put out more articles, but I'm tr- I'm trying to, like, balance everything out, and focus on what's more important. Um, I'm pretty sure once things get a little bit, you know, far as like um, the games, because it's, it's I'm, I'm covering literally high school, college basketball, and NBA. So definitely just updating the website and then preparing the podcast, and then working. So I'm just trying to balance everything out at the time and stuff, and focus on what's more important. And once some of these things start ending, like high school and which will be ending very soon. I'll probably focus on some off-season type of articles that I can write. Um, probably start getting ready for the upcoming season as far as, like, the top 100. That will be coming out, hopefully. This will come out. It will be coming out in a time. I'm still dragging on that, on that thing, but I will try to get that in as soon as I can. With the top 10 of that, I pretty much got the top two. I mean, the top... Um, which is a top 25 this year. I didn't do a top 100 this year. I was able to get the first two in, but I will get the top 10 in as soon as I can. I knew I said, I knew I was promised in February, but I apologize. It's definitely almost March now and I haven't was able to really draft that out yet, but I'll probably start drafting that out sometime this week. Um, but yeah, it's a lot going on. And I mentioned that before. That's why I'm going to definitely upload 
more frequently, which I think I took a month hiatus into the last podcast, uh, right after I went over a thousand up downloads. So I'm definitely going to be a little more consistent, get the news in as soon as I can. As far as like, you know, all three levels, high school, college, and, and NBA. But let's start with the Celtics, what they're able to do before the All-Star break. They had a nice performance uh, these past couple weeks. Well, they've had a nice streak, should I say. Nine straight games, and they end up losing to the Pistons to snap their streak at nine. Which, it was pretty tough, but I mean, it was definitely... Something I'm not gonna really hammer them on. I'm not. I know I've been. I've been a critic of them. You know, the trading deadline uh, was just approaching, which I pretty much mentioned in the last pod. Uh, what they were able to do, getting Derek Wright, getting rid of a lot of those bench pieces, and getting Derek Wright, getting Daniel Tice back out of those. You know, they, what they lost, Langford. They lost Ennis Canner. They lost Schroeder. They lost. Um, Richardson, which I believe I just mentioned. So that's a lot that they got rid of. And the only two pieces that I thought were major pieces they kept back are Pritchard and Neesmith. The rest of that bench is pretty much was scraped, scraped up. And now they have a few G League players on, in, on the end of the bench to kind of fill the roster spots, which um, last before I had that issue with the recording, I was mentioning that Brad Stevens should get at least a point guard to kind of solidify that guard spot. I don't I, I don't really feel all that crazy relying on Pritchard when Smart or someone in, or Smart someone Smart is right now the starter right now and Pritchard's the backup. I'm not really too crazy about having Pritchard be the backup point guard. I know that Derek Wright can play a little point guard at times. In a bigger lineup, but I would want to have a true point guard, maybe someone that can guard, someone that could be more of a defensive guy. I know there's a few guys that we can target. Uh, let me look up some of these bio options. One guy that we've seen that was out was Eric Bledsoe. That's a good guy to go after uh, as far as like buyout options. But um, Gordon Dragic went to the Nets. I mentioned that. So that's like one guy that you'll see is someone that's definitely out of the question. But yeah, someone like a guard. Like maybe it's maybe it's Eric Bledsoe. Maybe it's someone that could just get some some veteran presence out there. Gary Harris is another name that they can get go after. But, I mean, I think they, they should. They should to kind of help, you know, out, you know it kind of hurt them in that last game against the Pistons. They didn't have the depth that they needed. It would have been nice if they had another guy they could have went to because they had to rely a lot on Derek Wright and Daniel Tice getting those minutes, which may or may not have been a, the best thing for them, which, you know, when you trade all the pieces that they had and – on that bench, it definitely didn't help. It definitely didn't help to not be able to have 
someone you can rely on besides Pritchard or Neesmith for those minutes. So if they could get at least, uh, that's my wish list. If they can get at least a point guard to kind of solidify that spot behind Smart instead of Pritchard, I think I'd be happy with that. I think that would be the best case scenario for them coming into a, a very competitive East, which we have to worry about the Sixers and what they did with getting James Harden and then Ben Simmons in Brooklyn and then um, the Bucks, obviously the defending champs. How could I forget about them and what they were able to do? They didn't really do that much in the trading deadline, but they still have a very uh, dominant roster led by the MVP Greek Freak. So, yeah, those are the guy team, and then the Bulls too. The, don't forget about the Bulls. I mean, Zach Levine, Demar Derozan, All Stars, which we'll kind of get into All Star Weekend in just a sec. But yeah, I think the Celtics. I'm not gonna really, you know, really hammer them on that loss or really give them any slack for that loss because I just thought it was like kind of just. The game before the All Star break is always a game you kind of you're not focused. It was a it was a, a second end of a back to back, which I'm not like I said. It does sound like I'm making excuses for them, but I looked at what they were doing before that, and I thought they played well before that. So I'm not gonna really be the one which I've been very critical of this team to to the point that I said that I wanted to get rid of Jalen Brown. That was probably my major take, possibly get rid of Jalen Brown, which I think, you know, listen to Jason Tatum on J.J. Reddick's podcast. I think that might have been a bad take of mine, and I have to take that back because I just thought he made a good point. Tatum made a good point on that podcast. I think it's uh, three in the uh, old man in the three. I think that's the name of the podcast, which he had two Celtics the past couple pods. He had Marcus Smart previously, and then then he had Jason Tatum. And I thought Tatum made a good point of why some of those teams weren't successful in the past. And he kind of was very uh, genuine and transparent of what he was saying, saying that he he did mention that, you know, those guys were somewhat being selfish, which that's what I thought, of just kind of wanting their own shine. I mean, we can include Terry Rozier as well in this, with Jalen Brown being there along with the, you know, the young guys versus the older guys. You know, you had you had a lot of veterans on that team as well, Marcus Morris and company, and they all kind of clashed because they all wanted their shine. They all wanted to be, you know, right there up with a Kyrie and and uh, Hayward when Hayward wasn't around as much because he was hurt most of the time. But you know. Tatum made a point that he wanted to be the number two guy. And I think you could say that with Jalen Brown as well. And then you could say that with Rozier, which Rozier definitely did like his role the last year that he was there. So definitely, definitely made things a little bit uneasy in the locker room. So that's why they weren't able to fit because he meant, he also mentioned, which again, these are my own words, not his words, but kind of just summarizing what he said. But he was just saying that, Imagine if they were able to get it together because he thought they had probably the best talent out there and they could have definitely um, had a chance to really compete, you know, with a Warriors type team that year that didn't have Klay Thompson. So it was definitely um, 
very refreshing to hear from the horse's mouth and not hear from the media where the media will say, you know, bark on every negative and say that Tatum is selfish. He's all, all he cares about is his stats and stuff, which uh, that was a little bit of some truth from him saying it from him that that's kind of how it was. But obviously, I think the media kind of exaggerates it a little bit and saying that he's that's all he cares about. But he was just caring about it was it was. It was about the team, but at the same thing, yeah, it was about him. It was about a lot of the other guys, too, that had the same mindset that he had at the time. And that's why it didn't work. Now it makes me feel a little bit more confident that he went through that and kind of was like, you know, those were the bad times of the growing up, the growing pains of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. And now I think we're getting to the point where they're starting to hit their peak their maturity is starting to, starting to, they're starting to mature every, every minute of the day, to the point that, you know, they're, they're getting out of those growing pains. They're getting out of those mental lapses that they had in the past where they weren't focused. I still see it at times. I go, I watch. I've been watching the games of late. Well, if we're gonna frustrate with Jalen Brown, I think he doesn't. He is going. He's a hard worker. And he's a very good scorer. And he's he's definitely done a lot, you know, to be what he is today as far as developing his game, but I still think he could work on a few other things. And and then Tatum was mentioned that he's saying that he wasn't perfect and this, that, and a third. And you could say the same thing with Jalen Brown. So, I, I mean, I might have to take that take back and just say, why would you not have t- two top 20 players on your team? Potentially Jalen Brown's a top five potentially top 10 player on your team. I think it's stupid to get rid of those two. I mean, if you look at it, it's, you might think, oh yeah, addition by subtraction, but I mean, you're getting with some elite players that you're going to get. Those guys are not even hitting their, hitting their prime yet, which Tita mentioned as well. They're not even hitting their prime yet. So imagine how they would look once they're in their prime. But, I mean, I mentioned that it was like kind of like a similar thing where it's Anton Walker and Paul Pierce. But I think these guys are a little bit more talented than those two, go- two, those two guys were at the time. I think Jalen Brown and Tatum are a little bit more um, versatile players that can do a lot more. They're a little bit more athletic, which, believe it or not, those, those two guys, they still made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. So let's not forget about that. So, same thing with this team. This team has already won been to multiple conference finals. If they can do it, they did it already, you know, with the bubble. They already did it already with the bubble team. So, I was just trying to just make a point where they weren't able to do it before they had their first, you know, before they had a team that was kind of, you know, geared towards them. But they already, they did do that already with that team that they happened to lose to against the Miami Heat in the bubble. So, this could be a potential another team that can get that far. So we have to see what happens. I think they have a very good chance, obviously, kind of get a, add a little more debt to the bench with a buyout. And I think they have a very good shot. I think they're the best shot at anyone to get to pretty much at least make it to a conference finals, and, and we'll see what happens. But all right, um, well, we're going to switch gears, talk about the All-Star Weekend. It was a... Very busy weekend, I must say. 
we'll start on on Friday, which the NBA has done a good job of really changing the formats of some of these events. Um, but let's start with the Rising Stars. I'm not going to really get into the celebrity game. That's just kind of like kids play. But we'll talk about the Rising Stars. Um, I like the format. It was a four-team format. It was a tournament. Um, tournament. Um, do or die situation where a team, uh, they had a target score. Kind of like the All-Star game, how they, they changed that format. Um couple years ago they pretty much introduced this format this year where there's a target score for each game it was three games it was whoever got to that target score won and i i think um isaiah thomas's team did had they might have the most talent i thought and they they were able to make it to the championship game and they played well and then rick barry's team played well as well that Kate Cunningham really stole the show, which was the MVP of the whole event. I thought he was, I thought he played um, like a top pick would. Very um, controlled, very, um, was able to really score and pass and really get his teammates involved. And that's really, that's his game. He played like we know Kate Cunningham plays and what he's been able to show us of late. He played very well. I thought Evan Mobley also played well for the Cavs, Cleveland Cavaliers. Cleveland Cavaliers had a very good showing the whole weekend. And it was pretty much um, the hometown players that were able to play. You had him, you had Darius Garland that played in the game. So they had a very good performance, particularly Evan Mobley. He was a beast on the glass. Getting almost, seemed like he was getting almost every offensive rebound out there. I was very intrigued by his shooting ability as well, which I like. I haven't seen a lot of Evan Mobley, but I haven't seen a ton of cap games, but he really played well in that format. The big draw was Lamella Ball, which we all know he was an all-star as well. Um, we was expecting some big things from him, which I think he played on um, Thomas's team, which... As I mentioned, it was four legends that had four different teams. LaMelo Ball played on Isaiah Thomas's team. Didn't really too, play too well. I thought he had a better all-star game. I thought he was doing too much in the Rising Stars game and really settled for a lot of, you know, contested jump shots where he could have been, you know, did a little bit more, could have pushed the pace more, which I didn't think he had enough opportunities in the open court. To kind of do what he normally does. Not another guy that was good and played on the team was Jaden McDaniels. I thought Jaden McDaniels played well. Um, he's very athletic, long, agile guy that can shoot, and he's a very good shooter for most of that game. So it was it was fun night to watch. You know the competitiveness. The competitiveness was the key which I really noticed a lot of because of this target score, which the first two games were 50 points, and then the last game was 25 points. And it was very competitive, especially the last game. It was a very, you know, grinded-out type game for those 25 points. And it was it was pretty exciting, those first two games, because it was a little bit more of a, the, the, the format that, we know, that we're used to, where it's like up and down and 
um, kind of like a pickup style game, which they got into a little bit more defense as like the targets score started to get closer. So it was fun to see the competitiveness of the players. And it was definitely something that I think they should keep because it just makes it a little bit more exciting because it's a little bit something to it's, it's more to play for with this type of format. So I like that. Um, now to switch to Saturday or move ahead to Saturday, which that, I mean, definitely frustrating to see, which I, I enjoyed most of the night, but I thought the dunk contest was something that everyone's talking about. Because it was it was pretty bad, <laughs> it was it was really mediocre at best, if not one of the worst dunk contests that, believe it or not, that I I wasn't able to see because I actually fall, fell asleep. Um, I was able to see both uh, both skills challenge and the three point shootout, but I ended up falling asleep with the dunk contest. Which is ironic because I didn't really miss anything because it was really bad. So I ended up seeing it. Um, like I woke up probably around two or three o'clock and ended up seeing the replay. I think it was on MBTV the replay and I'd watch it after the fact, but I realized I didn't really miss anything. So kind of glad I fell asleep on that. But, um, far as the other competitions, the three-point shooter probably was the highlight of the night. There's some people that are saying, there's been chatter that they're saying that it probably should be moved as the main event or as the last event. And I'm like, oh, let's not go, get too far. But I think the, the biggest problem with the dunk contest is that no one wants to compete in it. No one that's like legit dunkers want to compete in it. You got guys like John ja Morant that have a chance to compete in it, and they didn't want to compete in it. You got even a hometown named Jalen Brown never wanted to compete in it. If you had guys like that, which we got lucky to get Levine to get in it, Aaron Gordon, we got lucky with that. Oladipo was also another name that I thought was a guy that was uh, kind of a, a star player. When you see star players competing, that's when they're usually good. But when you don't see star players competing, that's when – you're going to hit a wall like we hit these past two seasons where you get Obi Toppin as your as your winner. I mean, come on. Obi, I, love, I like Obi Toppin. I think he's a fairly good in-game dunker. But as far as like creativity goes, I don't. I think he's limited. And the same thing with a lot of the other contestants as well. We got uh, the, the guy from the Warriors um, that competed. See, see what I mean? Like, you don't even really know the names because they're not household names. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm, I ain't gonna lie. I, I know basketball through and through. I know pretty much majority of the players on on each squad, but I'm not familiar with a lot of the names like that. Obi Top, and obviously we know because he was in it last year. Um, yeah, Jalen Green. That was my pick to win it. He ended up, you know, bombing it, missing a lot of dunks, and. Yeah, man, it was just a bad night as far as, like, the dunk contest, but everything else was okay. I think the skills challenge was somewhat exciting. Normally, it's just a, a quick event to kind of just be, like, an appetizer to what we'll see for the rest of the night. 
But it was like a, a long, drawn-out event. It was like multiple rounds. It was like a shooting of a shooting contest to start out, which I think the Cavs, which end up winning it all, that contest, they showed out well. But it was like a shooting contest, and they competed with the Ricky team, then they competed with the onto onto the Kupu brothers, and it was it was pretty fun format the way the NBA changed that, made a shooting contest, then they made a, a passing contest, which you had moving objects or moving moving obstacles that they had to pass, too, and you kind of had to like have to do it was three players doing it at once, so it was it was fun to see how each team was able to organize it so that way they were able to, you know, to complete all the tasks and all the obstacles. But it was it was fun. I thought that was interesting. But then you have the three-point contest, which we all know, as of right now, is the best event. Um, uh if you haven't heard my previous podcast, I pretty much named all the contestants. I'm not going to review that today, but Carl Anthony Towns was the victor of that one. He got hot in that last round and couldn't really miss. I think he was, I think he was streaking. I think he had 12 straight or something crazy like that. He was, he got hot and really couldn't miss. And he was playing. I think he was competing against Luke Kennard in that last round, and Luke Kennard. Did well, but it wasn't it wasn't enough as Carlton Towns was able to get the victory for that one. So that was again another fun event, another good three point contest. And it's like the first time we've seen a big guy win it since Dirk Nowitzki. Let's see, I don't think Dirk Nowitzki won it. So, which is that's what I'm saying. This the only big guy I would say that won it. It's mostly you know guards or either you know swingmen that end up winning it. Wing players, but it was a big guy that won it this time, so definitely congrats to him for winning that. But yeah, it wasn't it wasn't really good because obviously the highlight of the night of the dunk contest and just kind of bombed. You know, a lot of missed dunks, a lot of dunks that barely just got in, like the Obi Toppin dunk that he had, we bounced the ball off the backboard, caught it put it between his legs was he barely dunked it cleanly. So it was a lot of that. There was a lot of missed dunks. There was a lot of dunks that, you know, the Warriors uh, player, he couldn't even like finish it. So, <laughs> I mean, he couldn't even finish the dunk or couldn't even attempt the dunk that he wanted to attempt. Then he had to change it. So I can't, oh, okay, I can't do that dunk. Let me go change it to another dunk. And it's just so much time goes by. You lose the, lose the, um, the excitement of the anticipation of the dunk. So that's the worst when guys don't make it the first time is that you lose the anticipation of it, you lose all the excitement of it, and then you lose that surprise effect when they don't make their dunks cleanly or make them at all. So, yeah, I just think that's the biggest problem is that they have to put like guys like John Morant that – can do dunks in game that would be tens in a dunk contest like John Morant doing a um a windmill three a windmill or three sixty in an All Star game can get you a ten 
I don't want to hear when people say, oh, well, there's, there's so many, they've pretty much done all the dunks. It's not really about that. It's just about, you know, having the swagger, the flair of a player that is able to capture the energy of the crowd. And then once he does that, you could just do a windmill dunk and be like ridiculously high like John Morant gets up and the dunk contest will be a success. You just have to have that. We all know that mostly all the dunks have been done before. But you could still do a dunk that uh, that someone done in the past that you can recreate, put your own flavor to it. So it, it still get a 10 and still will get someone out their seat. So I really don't want to hear that. I think it's like we've said that 10 years ago, and yet we've seen Zach Levine do what he did. So there always can be a time where a, a superior athlete can make something happen that we've never seen before. There's always a time for it. Maybe 30 years down the road, maybe we could talk about that. But I still think there's plenty of dunks to be done. There's plenty of combinations and variations of what you could do out there. So, I mean, I just think it's just, it comes down to this. The main play, the, the main dunkers that we see as like superior athletes don't want to compete in it. That's what it comes down to. It comes down to that. The superior athletes don't want to compete in it. And once we have that fixed that problem, then dunk consoles will be fixed or it'll be a pretty much a thing that we'll look up to as something that would always be good every year. Because it's like when you have guys that are potential role players out there or only role players out there competing in it, then that's what you're going to get. You got to get guys that are like the top superior athletes or either guys that we know are going to be stars in the league. Usually those are the guys that end up having the ego and having the swagger to kind of make themselves stand out as like someone that's going to capture the crowd, someone that's going to be confident they can make their dunks. Like all that comes into play when it comes down to like making a good dunk contest. Well, that's just my opinion on how it should be fixed. They're saying, like, oh, you, Stephen A. Smith, I think I listened to him today saying that they should pick every dunker in every state of like anyone that's, you know, that plays out in the park in your neighborhood or whatever, that's, you know, a city, you know, a city player or whatever that is, you know, this, he does it for fun. And then you add money to it. It's going to make him more hungry to win it, which guys that will make their dunks, they'll take it more serious. So I get, I get that idea. That's a good, it's a good idea. Probably just for one year or so, but they're going to have to end up just saying like, we have the best athletes in our own league. And we just got to get guys that want to do it, that are passionate about doing it. And it's it's kind of sad that guys don't want to do it now. It's like, I get it. I get it. It can be like somewhat of a thing that could hurt you if you do get hurt or whatever. But that's like a rare thing. That doesn't really happen that often. I've never seen anyone get hurt in a dunk contest. So and you can say that with other sports, you get the home run derby in baseball where they say like, oh, if they compete in a home run derby, then they get into a complete um complete funk with their hitting, which that might be somewhat valid, but I never heard of anything that if you got into the dunk contest, you're gonna go in a complete shooting slump. Or you're gonna hurt yourself where you won't be your at your best with the last, you know, f- you know, couple games down the stretch for the playoff hunt. I I never heard of such a thing. Or re- I really haven't seen it in history. So I think it's just a poor excuse for the, some of these players to just Want to be lazy, just want to sit around on the All-Star weekend. They don't want to, 
you know, do things for the fans. I think this is like this event is for the fans, and they should take it serious, just like you know the past legends did in the past. I think like guys like Jordan and Dominique Wilkins, they they all competed in it. They, it has to be like that if this event's going to be anything to be uh, resonated. It has to be the best players competing in it. It can't just be role players or just fringe guys off at the end of the bench competing in it. It's just you're not going to get the best of the product if that happens. All right, we're going to um, take a break. We're going to get into some high school basketball in the next segment. Um, we'll get into each state. Um, right now, we'll start at Maine, which the Maine just started playoffs. Um, the right now, they're in the semifinal round. So we're going to kind of get you caught up with that. Then we'll also get into... Uh, get into Vermont, we're getting to New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Connecticut, and then Massachusetts to end the show. All right, so you're listening to the Rinsonets Podcast, your host Rob Morris. We'll be right back. 